We thank you for Jesus sent from the Father. Thank you for the Holy Ghost sent from the Son. Thank you for the church sent by the Holy Ghost. And thank you for grace and mercy abounding at Calvary and goodness and mercy coming behind us on our journey. Help us, Lord. You're the only one can help us. The problems that we have in this hour are impossible with men. Father, the, the preaching it is impossible. There's not a man that ever lived other than Christ that could... Lord, if you don't breathe on this Word and make it eternal, God, you're the only one who can do that. Now help us in this church and this precious man of God... And I thank you for it in Christ's name. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Last night we were in Acts chapter 2. And I didn't have this planned. I don't ever plan these things. The Lord ought to be in charge of everything. And you ought to say, The Lord willing. On everything that goes on. If 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 it's the Lord's will. Didn't have it planned, but it's what the Holy Ghost put in my heart. I preached last night out of Acts 2, three things that God will do if the fire falls. And tonight I'm going to look at three things that Satan will do when you've had revival. I didn't plan it that way. I usually don't come up with anything that smart. I have to call Brother... Joey Wampler to get all my smart theology. He's my... These people all across this country think that I study prophecy. <laughs> I just talked to Brother Joey and I never... I never give him any credit. <clears throat> Tonight's the first time he's ever had any credit. He's my dear friend. and um, he, he, Brother Wampler introduced me to Brother Andrew Kerrigan. And I'm going to tell you, that's a great joy in my heart to, to have made acquaintance and relationship with this precious man of God right here. I thank the Lord for it. The Spirit of Christ is upon him. <clears throat> this study comes from a very recent study that the Holy Spirit has got me in with a burden for not America, but a burden for the churches in America. I'm only going to spend 10 seconds right here. You get it and get it fast. God's done with America. And He never was as impressed with America as some of y'all. I'm thankful for the World War II generation, and I'm very thankful... For, for the freedom and for the blood that was shed. And I appreciate our military. I stop and salute them. And if I see some flag-burning hippie, I try to smack them after I salute the military. Amen. <clears throat> so I, I'm a redneck and a patriot, but that stuff don't go far in the kingdom of God. I don't even know if it goes anywhere in the kingdom of God. He sets up nations, he sets up kings, and he takes them down. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. The reason we have a leopard and a Muslim running our country is because that was God's will. 
The reason the Muslims hit our two trade towers, that was God's judgment. The reason all the nations, including America and Great Britain, are turning on Israel, it ain't political, it's prophetical. You ought to get over being American and start acting like you're a Christian. Amen. Y'all leave me alone now. That's a, that's a big rabbit bouncing through here. I'm trying not to chase it. We a silly sounding bunch of goofballs in this hour. Do you know that? Hollering about our bylaws, our constitution, our I'm talking about churches. Church bylaws, church constitutions. Trim all this fear mongering. What are we going to do when they come in here? Honey, they've been killing saved people ever since Cain killed Abel. I'm sorry, I didn't see none of the apostles call a lawyer when they got arrested. I didn't see them waving their bylaws and their paperwork, hollering about how this ain't right. Blurred the lines between being an American and a Christian, and you act like Mormons. You think the kingdom of heaven is in is America. I, I wish I could get a witness right there. I'm gonna tell you something, honey. We done got lawyered up, and we need to get lorded up. Amen. Tell you what, the first church did when they got arrested. They had a shouting spell. Thank God they were worthy to suffer. Half of them got killed and went to heaven. Half of them got released and went back to preaching. And nobody ever called a lawyer. And nobody ever waved their bylaws in their church business meeting. I told you to leave me alone. All this fear mongering is why we ain't got no power. All this fear mongering is why the church ain't got no faith. We're not a political entity. Help me right there. The kingdom of God transcends all the kingdoms of this world. We ain't here to take over. We're waiting on Him to come back. There ain't a government going to work until He gets here. And the government should be upon His shoulder. I'm not sure who run me down that trail, but leave me alone. I need to... So this study comes out of a recent study the Lord has me in. And God's given me this burden for the nation. Not for America, but the only hope America has, the churches in America. And I do not pray for this nation. We have 75 million Baby blood crying out of the ground and we've promoted sodomites right to the top. God ain't going to save America. God's going to judge America. But America and the church are two different things. And by the way, there's more, there's more Masons in our founding than there were Christians. That ain't going to work at no rally, is it, right there? They was that many deists and that many Christians. Maybe that's what's wrong with America now. They believe in a God, but don't believe in the Son of God. That's what we were in our birth. 
Help me now. I'm an old time preacher. I ain't here to holler about politics. I'm here to holler about the Son of God. Jesus never tried to bring a political revolution of any kind. He stood before kings and emperors, Herods and Caesars. Paul stood before kings and rulers. And all he ever told them was, you better get right before you go to hell. That's all he had to say to them. Hallelujah. Mm. My, my study, the Holy Ghost put me in. Here's the burden. Second Samuel 11, don't turn there unless you want to. I'm not going to go there. But it's the burden. It's time for kings to go to battle. That's what the Lord put in my heart. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to be an overcomer in this iron, aren't you glad all seven churches in Revelation, they, had to, they, had, they could be an overcomer? Yeah. We are kings and priests. That's what Second Peter and Revelation said, that we are kings and priests. And it's time for kings to go to battle. And I'll tell you why. There's kingdoms at great conflict. I'm going to say this. I hope you don't misunderstand it. Go meditate on it. Let the Holy Ghost help you. We're at the end of the church age. The drawn power of God since World War II has, has greatly moved back to Israel and greatly diminished off the Gentiles. That's why these contemporary boys got to try all their little tricks and gimmicks to get people to come to church. Well, guess what? The Lord said by the time He come back, you're hardly going to find any faith on the earth. God's dealing with nations in this hour more so than individuals. Folks, these are, these, are, these are the most momentous times to be alive, the most eventful times to be alive you've ever seen. And very few individuals are coming to the Lord. Now, they still can, but very few, you don't see. Right now, God's dealing with nations. That Russian bear has woke up and stood up and grabbed a hold of that Iranian wolf and that yellow dragon, China, and they're all moving in on Israel. And American Great Britain, the lion and the king, they're coming after it too. You help me right there. Oh, my. That, listen, God's dealing with nations. Dr. B.B. Caldwell said in the mid-50s, the most dangerous time to be alive is in the transition of dispensations. When God's changing gears intercontinentally, if that's even a word. God's changing big dispensational gears. He said that's when most individuals fall through the cracks and go to hell. It's time for kings. It's time for us to act like kings. It's time for kings to go to battle. So with that said, the Holy Ghost took me to a study on the little kings. I've never preached this tonight. I've only preached one or two of these uh, messages. God took me to the little kings, not, not you know, there was Saul, the, the, and then David and Solomon, then the kingdom divided. And of course Israel went wicked first and went down in judgment first, and that southern kingdom seemed to last longer and they were more spiritual. Amen. Everybody loves the southern kingdom. Say amen. 
If God lets Yankees in heaven, he better build their mansion somewhere all in the same place. Help me right there. I believe in sovereign grace if I see a bunch of Yankees up there. I'm teasing. <laughs> but that southern kingdom seemed to have a lot more spirituality, the kingdom of Judah. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm having to lay the groundwork to tell you what I'm going to preach tonight. One of the first things that I found, Pastor Kerrigan, in this study is out of the 20 kings in Judah, only four of them ever had revival. Only four of them. As Jehoshaphat, is this being recorded? Alright, so for the people to study this, Jehoshaphat, 1 Kings 22. Joash, 2 Kings 12. Hezekiah, 2 Kings 18 through 20. And Josiah, 2 Kings 22 and 23. Only four kings out of 20 had a spiritual revival in the land under their reign. Only one out of five. I'm preaching a little message that sprung up out of this series on, on, on Bible math. I want to be one of the ones. Only one out of four soils received the seed. Only one out of five kings had revival. Only one out of four disciples made it to the inner circle. Only one out of six spies got to go over into Canaan. Y'all ain't helping me. This list goes on. I want to be one of the ones. I want to be one of the ones. Hey, Brother Wampler, here's some math for you. I'm going to give you something out of Revelation. It'll be the first time. (laughs) Them seven churches, only two of them didn't get in trouble. Help me now. You're here on a Tuesday night. You're here on purpose. The seven churches, Revelation 2 and 3, two of them, only two of them, Smyrna and Philadelphia, were good churches and had no bad marks. That's two out of seven. That's one out of three and a half. What about that? There's three and a half popping up in Revelation. Hmm. Three and a half. That three and a half's an unusual feller. Jesus had a three and a half year ministry. It's going to be three and a half years. False peace. Three and a half years of great tribulation. Three and a half days. Them two witnesses. I think Moses and Elijah take me to Waffle House. You buy the chili. I'll tell you why. They're going to have their heads chopped off and for three and a half days. So there's, there's something right there, but I just, want, I just want to say that, that there was 90 and 9 that didn't want the Lord's help and that think they didn't need the Lord's help, but he went after that one. And a one out of a hundred got saved. 
I can't prove this. Pastors, please don't hold this against me. I can't prove it. Don't Facebook this. I'm not, but I'm a feeling, I'm a feeling this. I'm a feeling this. I may have a little inkling on how, what we know maybe the percentage of people that say it. That Bible will tell you a lot of things. If you look, I, one out of a hundred got saved in Luke 15. Y'all help me now. That's where they accused him. This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And Jesus says, sure do. And let's just take a whole sweet chapter and tell you how it works. And the shepherd went after the sheep and the, the woman went after the silver and the father waited on the son. Amen. Cameron, I'm not going to call you to preach tonight. I'm going to leave you alone. Hey! And there's one out of a hundred. How many sevens is in Revelation? Is it not to slam me up with sevens? Yes, sir. Hey, seven trumpets, seven bowls, seven vials, seven, seven times. It's just all kind of sevens. You know how many people's on the planet tonight? <laughs> Approximately seven billion. What about when the Lord comes back? It's going to be seven billion. He's going to get 1%. That's his. That's 700,000. That's fit. 700,000 headed to the 777 place. Y'all help me now. I'm not going to never write that in the book and try to prove it, but just help me right there. Mm. And what about all of them that's accumulated up from the time of Adam up until this time? That'd be an interesting thing to know. Back to my thought, and it's just here, and y'all help me. I want to be one of the ones. I want to be one of the ones. Amen. All across this nation, and I... I'm not boasting in the flesh, please. Some of you may not know me. Maybe your first time. I'm not boasting in the flesh. But I've been hungry for God ever since I ran into Him. It's all I ever cared about. Woo! You young fellers, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all them other things will be added unto you. Amen. I was 13 when the Holy Ghost scooped me out of hell and put me in the Holy of Holies. I've had Holy Ghost hardborn ever since then. I didn't go after a girl. I liked girls, but I didn't go after a girl. I went after God. And I've got the most beautiful and godly wife I could ever imagine. I didn't go after popularity and friends. I went after the Lord. And it was lonely for a long time. But I got more friends right now than I can shake a stick at. Real ones too. I never went after money. I never went after the success. I never went after money. And I'm living for God. I gave Him all of my teenage years. I gave Him everything I had in my 20s. And I turned 30 and He sent me out in the highways and hedges. And people will not quit giving me money. I don't care about it. I don't like it. I don't even need it. But they won't quit. Somebody a while ago, buy your lunch. Fifty dollars. I'll buy four lunches. Need them at one time. 
I felt a little anorexia coming on me when I was about nine or ten. One day, one afternoon, I thought I was a little anorexia, and I've been holding it off ever since. I've been looking for barbecue and Chinese buffet, looking for where somebody's killed a hog. Don't care what they did with it after that, we'll eat it. You tree huggers and bark people that make turn bark into tree bark into milkshakes and drink. Stay away from me. You little tree-hugging, hippie-acting outfit. <laughs> Saved by grace and kept by grease. That's what I'm going with right there. I'm going to slide into heaven, preacher. I want to be one of the ones. That's all I've ever wanted to be. Not to be somebody, but I just want to be one of them ones. And the Lord's let me run across some brothers who want, who was a hunting God and nothing else. Amen. One of the ones. Amen. Well, here's the message. That was the introduction. Amen. It was well thought out and mapped out. You can see that. All of my introductions are a surprise to me. I enjoy going to church. I don't know what the introduction's ever going to be. <laughs> There's four kings had revival. And here's something interesting I found. Only one of them stayed true blue till the end. Wow. Three of the kings that had revival messed it up before it was over. Is that not interesting to you? Only one out of five had revival. And out of the four kings that had revival, only one out of the four stayed true and died right. Three of them, Satan came in and ruined their revival. And I wrestled all day with what to preach and seeking the Lord's wisdom, awaiting on the Lord. And he gave me that. That brand new study. And then ten minutes after he told me, it dawned on me. Last night we seen what God would do when revival comes. And tonight we're going to look at what Satan does to run a revival. Amen, preacher. Well, there's only three things I'm going to give them to you. I don't have any sub points. I put them all on the altar years ago. They was getting on my nerves and everybody else's. I gave them up. Here you go. Is everybody looking in Second Chronicles? Did I did I mention that? Chapter eighteen. This ain't pretty. It's not developed, it's not alliterated, it's not rhyming. I just want to show you how three revivals went bad. I got a feeling I won't be able to have the time tonight to get in that fourth one and see how he stayed true. But we got some more nights around here, don't we? Amen. Mm. Amen. Mm. I'm a liking that one that stayed true. <laughs> I want to be one of the ones. Can I stop right here? You're here on Tuesday night. You're here on purpose. People didn't want to come, didn't. 
Amen. All you preachers quit worrying about turning people loose. Yes. The ones that didn't want the service didn't come. Right. Quit worrying about them. Amen. You're cutting off all your services too much for the crowd that didn't even come. Yeah. Help me now. Amen. The ones that came want it. And you all in a spirit of fear worried about the ones that ain't even there. I like them three-hour services myself. About an hour of praying to get our hearts right, an hour of singing and get the Lord's heart warmed up. When His bride sings to Him, He gets warmed up. And then an hour of preaching to get man's heart and God's heart all together. What I figured is it took Him three hours to go get us. We ought to come to the Lord's house and give Him three hours to thank Him. Going to get to eternity, the judgment seat, and God's going to ask all them 21st century whiny, carnal, rebellious, apostate American churches. He's going to ask them all, what was that little one-hour service about? Exactly what were y'all too busy for me for? Y'all ain't helping me. Exactly what were y'all doing? You didn't have time for me. Exactly what were you doing down there? Brother Kerrigan, I'm going to say this. This is something I usually only share in private with young preachers or somebody that's burdened about it. And they'll say, what about such and such preacher? And it's a bad story when you have to say, well, which one? Are you talking about the man that he was in the first half of his ministry? Or are you going to talk about the man that he was in the second half? And you know what makes a great man of God? When there's only one of him. And they end up like they started. True to the end. I could name some that there's only one version. It's one of them, isn't it? Amen. Been here 47 years. He hadn't changed Bibles, had he? Hadn't changed worship styles for a new upcoming generation of homosexuals. Seems like I've been hearing a little, heard a little song on the blood tonight. Seems like it's staying with the blood. Didn't bring a contemporary choir in here, brought an old fashioned choir in here. There's some big names you could put in there. One of the most famous, world renowned evangelists of our day. You gotta say, and, well, which one? When he preached hellfire and brimstone, preached against sin in Hollywood, or the one who, or when he sat with the Pope and embraced all the ecumenical bread. Come on now, there's two versions. The Bible said this same Jesus is coming back. He's the only one. He said this same John is just one of them. And I hope I. Stay true to the end. Amen. That was the second introduction. Sometimes I have a second introduction. That was the second introduction. 
All right, I'm going to give these two in rapid succession. You go home and study. This is not going to be a Sunday school time where I'm going to comb through these. These are long and lengthy stories about these kings. You go study it out. I'm going to try to just hit all three of them and tell you where they messed up. These men had revival. Jehoshaphat had a great national revival. Joash had a great national revival. Hezekiah had a great national revival. Josiah had a great national revival, but Josiah is the only one that stayed true to God to the end. And nothing went wrong until he is dead and gone. Well, what happened to these first three? Write this down, Jehoshaphat. I'm just going to give you one word. With Jehoshaphat, I'm going to tell you how he messed the thing up before he's done. Evil alliances. He kept getting suckered in or drawn in or persuaded to join in with other wicked kings. Everybody look in Second Chronicles chapter 18 and verse 1. And I mean, I didn't have time to tell you what great and wonderful spiritual revival he had for the kingdom. But look in chapter 18 verse 1. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance... And if you boys will go with God, He'll sure take care of you. Riches and honor. Now in the church age, we're not looking for that material blessing. We're looking for spiritual riches. And everything in the Old Testament is a physical picture of the things that we would have in the New Testament in a spiritual realm. Help me right here for a moment. I'm going to give you a third introduction. I may never even preach him three points. I've got so many introductions. Let me say something to you about these boys and their little, all your little charismatic channels. You're better off to watch baseball or Andy Griffith. It used to be Fox News, but there's so many miniskirts now and so much arrogance. Now, help me right there. You're better off watching that old than them charismatic channels. Now, if you want a mean sermon, let me stand back there and shake hands and about three people say, you remind me of John Hagee. That's just such good prayer. Oh, honey. The message on heaven and glory goes back in the file and the next night we're pulling another now. We got a goofy bunch of shallow apostates in this hour that ain't got no discernment and can't smell a wolf and can't smell a weasel and can't smell a skunk when there's one right in front of them. The Old Testament, oh Edgar Thomas, said that the Old Testament blessing of God on a man was prosperity. Because the Old Testament kingdom was material. It was earthly. It was literal. And when God blessed a man in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament king was in front of their kingdom was in front of their, he blessed them with wealth and riches and camels and horses, and he blessed the family. The Old Testament of blessing was prosperity. 
the New Testament blessing of God upon a man is suffering. Because the New Testament kingdom is spiritual and heavenly. And the only thing that will divorce you from this world is so strong is suffering. Suffering is the only thing that will cut you loose from this world. And he gave his son a cross and he'll give you a cross if he wants to draw you into what he's doing in this hour. And that New Testament blessing. He opened up his mouth, Jesus did in Matthew, and said, Blessed are the... Help me now. Starts with a P. Y'all remember the Beatitudes? That's right. It says, Blessed are the poor. It's going to be a new day. Help me right now. Oh, my. When you see these boys, God blesses them with all the material blessings. When He blesses you in the church age, He surrounds you with spiritual treasures. Spiritual gold, which is faith. Spiritual silver, which is redemption. (laughs) Amen. Spiritual precious stones. It's all manner of glories and graces in your soul. It's, it's so much liberty in here. You just preach introductions all night. But what was wrong with Jehoshaphat? Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance and did what? Joined affinity with who? Oh my heavens. That's Ahab and Jezebel. Y'all believe that? Oh Ahab come to him. He went down to Ahab. Ahab called him down there. Verse 2, Ahab gave him a big... He killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance. And Ahab said, I need you to come down there and protect me and whip this other feller in this battle. Now, I'm going to say this to you. Let me run these by real fast. That word affinity. Do you all see that word affinity? Joined affinity with a wicked king. That's O Ahab, married to Jezebel. The word affinity means marriage. That original root word means linked together in marriage. And let me tell you, I'm going to say this right here. Jehoshaphat, he had three different alliances before he was done, and every one of them brought grief and heartache to the kingdom. He joined in with Ahab. He joined in with King Ahaziah, a wicked king of the northern king, and he joined in with Jehoram, another wicked king. Can I give you these three things? Or y'all seem to be listening good. You know what he did with Ahab? He joined affinity. He married kingdoms. You know what he did with Ahaziah? I ain't got time to go to these places. First Kings twenty two forty eight. If you're keeping notes, he made a little league with him, and he's going to make ships together and go after some gold. But God broke their ships down. You know what he did with Jehoram? In Second Kings three seven, Jehoram got him involved in wrong battles, battles that were not his. So I'm going to say three things, and y'all help me real good. Brother, let me tell you how the devil will run a revival. He'll get you married up with folks you ain't supposed to be married up with. Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He'll get churches to make sister churches with, with wicked churches. 
He'll get teenagers' lives and make them good friends with some wicked teenager. He'll get some precious girl in the church and she'll marry some bum off the street. Help me now. He'll get the preachers and they'll cave and fold to the to the ministerial, ecumenical, local counseling. He'll join in with all them. Honey, this godly king had great blessings and revival, but he kept making alliances with wicked people. Ahab and Jezebel, there's a marriage for you. And this king ruined his kingdom by hooking up with that wicked king. First thing he did, Ahab said, I need you to come over here and fight this battle for me. Jehoshaphat is a godly man. He said, well, why hadn't you got a hold of God yet? Look in verse 4. Jehoshaphat said, inquire, pray the word of the Lord today. Verse 6. Everybody look in 18.6. But Jehoshaphat, is there not here a prophet of the Lord? See, Jehoshaphat said, hey, we, we fight our battles by turning to God. Well, what's he doing in trying to help a man who ain't helping God? Yes, sir. That's good preaching, God. Verse 7. King of Israel said, well, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire, but I hate him. For he never prophesied good unto me, but always evil. Oh, oh Micah. <laughs> he said, well, there is a prophet, but I hate him. Let me tell you something. You better know somebody's wrong for you when they hate God's man. A church member ain't no good if they're talking about God's man. Tell everybody you know. What's that rascal? Just go ahead and mark him publicly. I asked the Lord to give me the illustrations tonight that I'd need. And I'm thinking of a precious young lady right now breaking my heart. Me and my wife adopted her, not officially, but spiritually. God pulled her out of the gutter when she was 14, got no family, saved her. We got her in a girl's home, a, a, a good one in a good church, in a Christian school, and graduated. We poured five years of our life into this young lady. And she got to where she's more in love with everybody at Chick-fil-A than she was at church. It's where she worked. Six preacher boys in that church, and she wasn't giving none of them the time of day. And old New Age acting outfit, New Age tree hugging little flaky outfit down there at her Chick Fil A where she worked. She brought him to church. I happened to be there preaching revival. First time that rascal walked in, I walked back to him, took his hand and grabbed his arm, looked in his eyeballs. Yeah, preacher. Her pastor warned her. I warned her. Walked out of there. You know what he said? I'll never step foot in that church again, he told this young lady who we poured our life into after God pulled her out of hell. And he said, you're in a cult. She married him three months ago. He's done whisked her away. 
Her mama wasn't at the wedding. Her sister wasn't at nobody in her family he allowed and nobody in her church family he allowed. She gone. Let me tell you something, how Satan can run a great work of God in your life is when you join affinity with some wicked outfit. We started at Redfield Tabernacle. Brother Wampler brings them every year, and y'all came last year. And that first year, there's a big church come, and it's flashing their money. Biggest church in our area. It's flashing their money. What we'll do for you around here. What we can do for you in your little red field. We, we couldn't even afford to scatter the sawdust. We just scattered dust and left the saw out. <laughs> well, I opened up the first night by listing off about 30 minutes all the weasels and skunks and reprobates and apostates and everything that we would not let in there. Yeah. And while I was listing things, I said something about everybody in the southern gospel entertainment industry that skips church and goes to concerts and sleeps around, lives on buses, ain't got a pastor. Yeah, amen. Ain't in a church. I said, there ain't going to be no diesel-sniffing southern gospel buses pulling up in here. And I took twice as long as that to explain them how much we was against the contemporary music. And there wouldn't be no little old limp-wristed, pot-smoking-looking, New York City, Babylonian-sounding, nightclub, little helium-sucking, all your little old contemporary trash. There got me the next day. Hello, we need to talk. No. You might need to talk. <laughs> now, if you're going to lead people, they have to follow you. That's the first thing to say. <laughs> I said, what John Maxwell books you get that out of? <laughs> now, 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 our congregation of 800, and, we have, and we're willing to give a lot. Of, I said, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. I ain't trying to get nobody to follow me. I'm following him. Now, now, our, our, our choir leader is the Gold City drummer. I said, I can't help you with that. <laughs> that sounds like your problem. <laughs> well, I, I'm telling if I bring them all over there and you say stuff like you said again last night, <laughs> And I, <clears throat> I was fixing to say I was as kind as I could be, but I was as honest as I could be. <laughs> I wasn't ugly, but I was honest. And I let him talk. When he got done, I said, are you done? Have you said everything you need to say? I said, think about it, because we're not going to talk again. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not trying to sound braggadocious to y'all. I'm trying to put something in these boys. And I said, sir, at that point, 10 years ago, I said, it's nearly 25 years preaching. And I said, I said, nobody has ever bought me 
or bribed me. Amen. And I said, nobody has ever curbed the corners on my preaching. And I said, you take your big church and your big money and your gold city and, and y'all go wherever you need to. I said, but you're not welcome. Amen. You know why? I'm not joining affinity with Ahab. I asked the Lord to give me the illustrations tonight because I ain't smart enough to think of them during the day. I was 21, still in Bible college. They asked me to pastor. I didn't want to. My pastor said I should. His pastor said I should. I did. I didn't pray about anything until I was 30, people. And that's the truth. Not about decisions. I didn't pray about any decisions. I went to my pastor, his pastor, my pastor's pastor friend. Had about five men of God. I did what they told me. I never made a deci- I never prayed about a decision. Y'all ain't helping me. Jesus stayed at the house till he's thirty. I left when I was eighteen, but I didn't leave. I was dating the girl the first year of Bible college. Her and her mother asked me out. <laughs> They had a little banquet, and the girls were supposed to ask the guys, and she did. And I said, I don't And the mama said, I'll make you a steak and potato tomorrow. I said, I'm in. I'm in. You have the most beautiful steak and potato daughter I've ever seen. And she is a good girl. I went home after two, day, two months there, and the school year ended. And my pastor said, she's not the one for you. Hey, breaking up with you. <laughs> it was her birthday. <laughs> I didn't know it. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. She's, she's probably getting therapy on that today. But <laughs> she probably don't remember my name. But I said, I'm breaking up. Woo-hoo, boo-hoo, why? I said, my pastor said you wasn't the one. Amen. And that we were done. Yeah. Amen. Good. Went through school, came out. And that church called me. I still finished, and I did finish. And, and that church called me. And there's a beautiful young lady. And and she wanted to, oh she got on the front row and everything. I said, man, she's pretty. And the Bible never said, he that findeth a girlfriend findeth a good thing. He that findeth a wife. Two weeks we talked, and in two weeks she said. Well, now, there's some things I ain't giving up for the ministry. I said, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> it's called the Magni Shuffle. I mean, 
is moonwalking in slow motion. That's what it is. I said, because I gave my whole life to the Lord. She said, now I'm from Florida and I wear two-piece bathing suits in the summer. I said, I'm from Georgia and I wear a pinstrap suit and I just go to church all the time. At first, girl, and I'm not being ugly, the whole fact there was mental problems and mental problems, as it turned out with a lot of things. And that second girl they told me the other day, divorced and drunk and doping. She's sweet and pretty and carried her Bible and wanted to get in the middle of everything. And she drew a little line, the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Keep her going, Doc. Amen. Keep her going. Amen. Keep her going. Amen. You got to listen. I never prayed for a wife. I waited. Right after I'd done that, the Holy Ghost told me. I was 21. He said, Now you just chillax, big boy. Amen. Me and you going to spend some time together alone before you get your marriage started. And your ministry started. I mean, you've got to go to the Arabian Desert for three years. I mean, you've got to go to the backside of the desert. And he said, don't worry, Boaz. I'm going to send you a roof. Amen. I never prayed again, Brother Mongolian. I never prayed again. I never prayed before. I did what men of God told me to do. He said, Boaz, you can be faithful to your field, and one day Ruth will be in the corner. Yes, sir. (laughs) She walked in there one Sunday morning, black dress, white polka dots. I don't even believe in speaking in tongues, and I did. (laughs) Ah! I said, Shazam! (laughs) Wham! Bam! A lamb! Shazam! I'd seen her at a wedding the Friday before where I married a young couple in my church. And she came walking in Sunday morning and her sister, they wasn't raised in church. Her sister married a boy in my church. I married him. And that's what brought her. Her her grandfather was old Plymouth Brethren Deacon up in Virginia. And grandma knew how to pray five states away. And she sat in the corner and the Holy Ghost said, That's her. (laughs) And she worked at Walmart. And I went every day and buy one item at a time. (laughs) That's a true story. I'd buy a toothbrush one day and toothpaste the next. Just be standing there. It was August. It was warm in Florida. But I put on my purple sweater because I look cool when I run it up on my forearms. And I'd like shove it up halfway like right there and look cool right there. And I put on my jeans. You know you got that one pair of jeans? It's like a pet dog you whistle. They just get up and come to you and jump on you. You ain't even got to put them on. They just climb up on you. It's like an old friend. 
if you wash them much, you'll run them. You don't wash them favorite jeans that much. I had on my jeans and my sweater. A little warm, but she was hot, so I was warm. You like that? Write that down, son. Four weeks she came to church on Sunday mornings. The fifth Sunday she came back on Sunday night, and the Holy Ghost said, I knew she was lost, and I knew she was my wife. There's 200 girls at the Bible college come down there to get an MRS degree. They'd marry just shake your hand. I didn't know who you was. They'd down there to marry a preacher. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And that night, I don't know why I'm off on this marriage business, but I'm here. I'm here. You get unequally yoked together, you're going to ruin your life. Preachers, you yoke up with wrong preachers. Teenagers, you yoke up with wicked teenagers. Church members, you yoke up with wicked churches. Christian, you get to fellowship with unbelievers out there. You can be a friend. You can have friendship to them and not fellowship with them. It ain't possible for you to have fellowship with them. Fellowship's two fellows in the same ship. Friendship's when you get in the ditch and help them out. Fellowship's when you're in the same boat heading the same way. We'll tell you how the devil will run revival in your life. He'll partner you and yoke you with somebody that'll run your church, run your life, run your home. That fifth Sunday night, the Holy Ghost. An old preacher came by. We asked his daughter to sing. She stood up and sang. I want us to be together in heaven. Which is half church song, half love song. <laughs> That's what she got saved on. She, and that night, she didn't sit in the corner where she sat for four Sundays. She sat right up here next to one of our old church ladies. And Jennifer's head went to bobbing. <laughs> Tears. Not raised in church. Daddy was a wicked prodigal. Mama was a long ways. Her old head went to bobbing. Squalling. She said something. Janet Norman said something to her, the old church mother. And hit him and here she got up and come down, hit the altar and got saved. She shouted, she shouted 20 minutes. I shouted two hours. That's a true story. Holy Ghost fell in there. We shouted about six straight years there. Holy Ghost fell in that place. I had boys in the parking lot running. We had a church not much bigger than this. And we get to running. There just wasn't enough room. We had a door right there. We'd bust out that door. Our old men shouted inside and our young men shouted outside. One night I had boys, I had some athletes played for Jacksonville University, that big school down there. I had some athletes in there. They was run, six blocks away. They was through Main Street. Wow! It was great. I was like two blocks. I went. I was like, see you, boy. I'll be back at the church. Back at the church. i see you back at the church. All of a sudden I'm running alone and I'm just going back to the church. We shouted that night. That's the truth. My daddy gave me a ring with a black stone on it, and I busted that thing. Hit the pulpit so hard it snapped the back of it in half. That was symbolic. A man leaving his father and mother. 
cleaving to his wife. Caught my belt running by the pulpit at one point in time and it ripped it off right there in two loops. And it was just doing like that the rest of the night. It's a true story. It's documented. One time it the high and it ripped the hem all the way up to the top and it's like Abraham Lincoln, just coattails. Had Tony Lama shark skin boots that one of the deacons bought for me and I kicked so hard something my heel come off. <laughs> Shouting and running. <laughs> my belt was a flopping, my heel was a doing that. Shouted for two hours. The Holy Ghost confirmed that thing. I baptized her. Proposed to her. The night I proposed to her, took her down to the altar, and I switched places. I was here, and she was there the night she got saved. And so one night after the church Valentine sweetheart banquet, I forgot her cassage, girls, but I remembered the diamond ring. She got over the cassage did not be. That thing was as big as a concrete block. It was as cold sweat, scared to death. But that night after the sweetheart banquet, I pulled that chair up here. And I put her in the chair. And I got, and I got down in the altar where she got saved. The Lord married her right there. I thought that would be a good place for me to propose to her too. Hey, you better get what you got on the altar. If you didn't get it from Calvary, take it back. Amen. If what you got didn't come from Calvary, get it to the altar and get it to Calvary. This old world's too wicked and too sideways. Marriages don't work. You better get it to an altar. I put her up there and I got down on one knee. And where, whoo, where her and the Lord, that's where I took her. And I had a, a line, I was going to do John Wayne. I'd worked on it for a month. <laughs> it's a scary bunch of look old men right here. You know that, Pastor, just this whole bunch right here. I can't be romantic and looking at you guys. It just ain't it just ain't working. Like it's there and then I look at y'all and it ain't there. So you're messing me up. I gotta come over here. You better stay on this end. You're gonna be an old man pretty soon. I got I was gonna say, Hey little lady, why don't you step in that saddle and we'll ride out in the sunset together on this white something like that. And I got so full of God, or my nerves tore up, one or the other. And I said, my proposal went, Okay. It kind of went like that. I I fell to pieces. 
don't know if she took the ring to keep me from having a seizure or just... <laughs> but I say it slid on a lot easier with all that mucus and all that stuff. It just, it just went right on. I mean, it's a what? what the... <laughs> well, it stayed on all these years anyway. I'm going to say this to you. You know what's going to run a revival of the power of God in your life? Is the devil's going to have a King Ahab come and try to join in with you. He's going to have a Jezebel with him. King Ahaziah's going to come along and say, Hey, me and you can, we, me and you can go get some gold. If me and you team up, we can go fetch some gold. Another wicked king, Jehoram's going to come along and say to you, Come on over here. I need you to help me fight these battles. And you're going to get over there and get in battles that you ain't supposed to be fighting. Amen. Y'all got three more minutes? Four? Y'all got three or four minutes? I'll just mention the last two. Jehoshaphat, his revival was ruined because he entered into wicked, wicked alliances toward the end of his kingdom. Everybody was coming to him, trying to join him, and he led them. They asked old Dr. J. Vernon McGee, pastor in Los Angeles, California in the 60s, the ecumenical local ministerial council got together and they said, we're going to clean up Los Angeles. Woman preacher was the head of the movement. They got upset because Dr. J. Vernon McGee had the largest congregation, but he wasn't joining in with their campaign to clean up Los Angeles. By the way, I don't think it worked. (laughs) Most wicked, violent, bloody cities fornication cities in America. The woman preacher came to see him, confront him. Dr. McGee, you have the largest congregation. You can make a big difference. All of us other churches are getting together to clean up Los Angeles. Why don't you join in? And he said, ma'am, God didn't call me to clean up Los Angeles. He said, God's going to burn down Los Angeles. She said, well, what are you doing here? He said, God's called me to pull a few sinners out of the fire Amen. before he burns it down. Amen. Hey, y'all, I say we just pull some more sinners out of the fire and reject all these wicked conspirators being sent from hell to join us and ally with us and take us down. I'm only going to mention the other two. The next king, his name was Joash. And I'm going to tell you what happened in his kingdom. There was the tragic loss of godly influence. That's 2 Chronicles 24, just for your notes. Everybody look at me. I'm going to give you 20 seconds, his story. This young king, Joash... 
There was a wicked woman named Athaliah. She's killing all the king's royal seed. And a godly woman in there snuck once, stole one of the king's son and hit him and turned it over to Jehudai, a godly priest. And he sheltered the kid for six years in the house of the Lord. And then he brought him out in the seventh year and he crowned him and they had a revolution and they killed the ungodly woman and all her outfit. And Joash was seven when he began to reign and he was instructed in the way of the Lord by the old priest. And they had an unprecedented revival. But toward the end, the old priest died. And when he died, all of hell broke loose. The princes of Judah came in. The pagans came in. The Baal worshippers came in. And you ain't going to believe what the king did. He killed the old priest's son. The old priest's son. I believe it was Zedekiah. Or Zadok. You go read it in Second Chronicles 24. He stood up and he said, Y'all know dad wouldn't have been for this. God ain't for this. And they stoned him with stones. Yes. I'm going to say something. I don't want you all to miss this. The very king who was sheltered and saved as a baby by the old priest, that very king killed that priest's son. He was a son that had been spared. And when that godly old man died... He killed his son for rebuking his sin. And let me tell you something, brother. There was the tragic loss of godly influence. Why do you think our churches are being overrun by devils? Because them old timers that saved us and sheltered us and sanctified us and set us up to be kings and priests. We're now killing their offspring for telling us what's right. Tragic loss of godly influence. The third way, Satan will kill a revival. Hezekiah. My, Hezekiah had great victories and great revival. Sennacherib, are y'all okay? I mean, I know this stuff is lengthy and wordy and complex. Are y'all all right? Hezekiah, he ended up in pride. Remember the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, came up there with a great terrorist bunch threatening them and terrorizing them. Hezekiah took that letter in there and spread it before the Lord in the temple. He prayed. And I love how God dealt with old Sennacherib. If your name's Sennacherib, God needs to deal with you just for being named Sennacherib. No wonder all them A-Rap blowing herself up. All them crazy names. What's your name? Sennacherib! I mean, you know, it's enough to tear. What's wrong with Tommy or John or Bob? That's what's tearing their nerves up. They sound like a whole vocabulary gone wrong. Just in their first name. Sennacherib. You know what God said? He sent a letter over here to terrorize you, did he? Well, God said, I'm going to send a rumor. I got me a little thought I'm working on on how God sometimes starts rumors. Yeah. 
Somebody said, that's an awful rumor. Well, maybe God started it. You might just better hush mind your own business. Some of you always terrorizing people, always threatening people. Some of you full of devils and always using tactics, brutal tactics to scare. You better watch it. You live by that tongue, you'll die by that tongue. Some of you got calluses on your Facebook fingers. can't stay off that goofy thing in people's business telling everything in your mind and showing us that there ain't much in your mind won't you put this won't you won't you won't you copy and paste this do you still do that I don't know I never did it is that a thing you do copy and paste Elmer's glue is required for me to copy and paste don't you put this over your computer and try this next time you Facebook. That you study to be quiet and to mind your own business. That's a quote from the King James. If you can Facebook and be quiet and mind your own business at the same time, then help yourself. God sent a rumor. He said, uh, get back with Jerusalem later. <laughs> I've heard a rumor and I got to get back. And he got back there and his own two sons killed him. Oh, my. Let me tell you something. You mess with the Son of God yes, sir. and God's sons, God may use your own sons to kill you. Oh, Didn't Saul die? Saul kept trying to kill David. Didn't he die with Jonathan that day? They both haven't had to fall. Isn't that awful? God gave Hezekiah victory. I'll be done in two minutes. I know y'all ain't worried, but I'm hungry. (laughs) And then you remember he had that death sentence. Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And he prayed. He turned to the wall and prayed. When your back's against the wall, just go ahead and turn all the way to the wall and pray. You're still with us, Pastor. God lets you live. He did really good. Hezekiah did good with the Assyrian thing. He did good with his death sentence. But at the end of his kingdom, the Babylonians came with gifts and bribes. They said, you know, you can't scare that boy and you can't kill that boy. But maybe he can be flattered. And Second Chronicles 32 said his heart was lifted up in him. Second Chronicles 32:25, and Second Chronicles 32 verse 31 said God left him to see what was in his heart, and it was pride. And then Babylonians coming there with gifts and presents and flattery. Somebody over here gave me that $50 bill to eat lunch. I don't remember which one. I thank them and I love them, but it stops there. I don't take it as flattery. And you get no special treatment, whichever one of you it was. 
no special treatment. Huh? I had four millionaires in my church. One worked for Win dixie One was the Army Corps of Engineers. He was in Florida revamping the Everglades. One was a realtor man for Win dixie One was CSX Shipyard in Jacksonville. And another one installed heat and air for the Navy and cruise ships, Navy ships. And the rest of us, <laughs> we just sideways and halfways and we're glad to be there. And I took all four of them and I said, I appreciate you. Let me tell you something. You better, you better give your money like you're supposed to or God will judge you. And, and I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to act like you're just one of us. Yes, sir. And I did. Amen. And did you know that three of them appreciated it so much? And they was able to worship. And able to, because they said the pastor either feared us or flattered us. Yeah. said, we ain't never been able to go to church and just be a Christian. It's either after our money. Mm. I said, well, we don't need your money. God's going to do everything God's going to do. Amen. Amen. And I said, you better give what you're supposed to. God will judge you hide. And they enjoyed it. Now, one fella didn't. That's another sermon. And when they come in, I just want to say this. When Sennacherib came, he prayed. When death came, he prayed. When the Babylonian bride came, he prayed. I know that's not good English, but that's how I wrote it down. He prayed. He prayed all through his he prayed all through his kingdom. He prayed and at the end he prayed. And Isaiah came in there and said, What have you showed him? Everything God's gonna come and take everything you showed him. I wanna say this in closing. I read behind Spurgeon and he said pride. It's pride of race. Pride of face. Pride of grace. And pride of place. That pride of race. Jesus created everybody and we ought to love everybody. That pride of face. You think you're pretty. You think your car is pretty. You think your house is pretty. That pride of grace. Oh, I know I can sing. I don't know why they didn't ask me to sing. Well, I can tell you why. That pride of grace. They... It's either feast or famine in evangelism. They either tell you you're the greatest preacher in the world or they tell you you're the biggest bum in the world. <laughs> they either love you or hate you. We either have revival or a riot week to week. Come go with me. They either 30 of them line up crying and that's the greatest preacher I ever heard. Or they 30 of them line up with pitchforks and shovels and little torches and they've got stones in their hand. And the Lord said... You don't need to believe that one crowd. You're not as good as they're telling you. 
And you don't need to believe that mean crowd. You ain't as bad as they're telling you. You just come over here and walk with me and don't worry about none of it. Help me now. You ever get to where you think you can pray? Think you're the prayer warrior of the church? That pride of grace. Let me tell you something. Your spiritual gifts are from God and you better watch it or they'll go hollow on you. We do that in the church, you know, we get, we get proud of our place. Jockeying for position. Posturing for promotion. Y'all ain't helping me. Amen. Pride of place. It crept up on me. I didn't know I had a bad case of it. I was 21 to 29 pastoring. I was pastor of the First Baptist Church of Lottie. I got used to saying it. When the Lord put me out there and put me in a single wide trailer, it was so narrow the S fell off of it. It was an ingle wide. <laughs> I wasn't a nobody. I'd have to stand up at the preacher's meeting and say, Well, I'm Dean. And I live in an ingle wide. For six months, I told her, but I used to pastor the First Baptist Church down there. I'd tell them at McDonald's drive-thru. Would you like anything else of that? A Diet Coke? And I don't know if y'all know it in there or not, I used to pastor the First Baptist Church a lot. I'll be around in a minute, you'll be able to see me. Come on now. I didn't know I was enjoying it until it was gone. And they said, who are you? Well, I used to be somebody two months ago. <laughs> the Lord said, look at there. You didn't get proud, did you? I said, uh, 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 yes. He said, I thought so. Let me smack you about twice. Who are you now? Dean. He said, you better say it right. I'm trying to hush. I've been an hour and ten minutes. Are y'all doing all right? Amen. That's how to run your revival. That'll run the power of God in your kingdom. Wicked alliances and losing godly influence. And turned out you wasn't godly after all. You were just following somebody. And pride. Our heads are bowed. I want somebody to come to the pianist, to the organ. I want you to play. I want us all to stand. And if you want to come pray, I wish you would. It is time for kings to go to battle.